We watch a movie, maybe read a book, or look at some kind of art. And we talk about it together and say lots of interesting things, and one of those things is our favorite parts. This is Favorite Parts with Allison and Trey. Hi, Trey. Hi, Allison. <laughs> Welcome back to Favorite Parts Podcast. I love that you always bring the energy of singing the title. I know. To, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I still haven't found like a uh, melody that I like the most, but you maybe have a theme song that you made for do. us. Yeah. Favorite parts. Maybe I should do it that way every time. Ah, I like that it's open to interpretation for you each week. Yeah. Like how the right? spirit moves you. You know, exactly. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. Quaker of me. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. This week, for the first time ever, we're talking about a short story. Look at us. Yeah. I know. So literary. <laughs> Playing with genres, across genres. That's right. Look out. Not just the screens, baby. Although I did read this on the screen, but <laughs> I could have read it on paper if I wanted to. Maybe you originally read it on paper. I did. OG yeah, paper. See? Yeah, read. that's right. I don't think I, yeah. I mean, there obviously there were computers, but <laughs> I don't think we were reading screen, things on screens. No, I, I didn't read this on it. I read this in a textbook. Same. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was in a textbook. Either a textbook or like a printed out worksheet kind of thing. Right. Yeah. A ditto. A di- <laughs> That's what we dittos? call them. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah ditto. No, ditto was a word. I think that was one of those words. There are certain regional words that yeah. for someone who moved around a lot, it would just be like, it'd take you a minute to be like. Huh. And I like the only time I'd heard the word ditto before is someone saying like ditto, like what they yeah. said. Ditto. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I remember being like, oh, that's very clever. It's a clever thing to call those. because they're copying. Easily impressed. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, these people are so smart, whatever, whatever region it is that they were using that word. Um, okay. So we're talking about 11 by Sandra Cisneros. Trey, let's have a summary. Yeah. Uh, so Eleven is a short story written by Sandra Cisneros, who I think is, has a claim to fame largely as a poet, um, in addition to like doing short stories. I, I feel like she's maybe more known for poetry. Like she's but like, is she? I don't know. Okay. I, I think so. Maybe not. We'll, All right. we'll pull, we'll pull well, the audience. <laughs> yeah. um, but Eleven in particular is a short story about a, uh, a young girl who is turning Eleven and what that means both for her life, but also the way that it plays out inside of uh, school for her, which is right in, st- in lockstep with our theme this, this season. Lockstep, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Trey. I did, I do want to say, last time I yeah. said that I thought it was included in the House on Mango right. Street collection, which is incorrect. Yeah. It was included on the Women Hollering Creek and other stories. Yes, that's right. That's published right. in 1991 yeah. but i think it's often used as a standalone story i think so too it's like the most notorious one yeah or yeah notorious. not notorious <laughs> wow i mean how can you you can't hear that word and not think of right i don't know yeah, sure. Just me. sure you're gonna get your your target <laughs> issued biggie t-shirt now <laughs> no but it's still, I can still like the song. You can still like the song. Um, without wearing problematic t-shirts. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
All right. I'm just going to start talking about this Trey, because yeah. I really, really like this. This is your story. idea to talk about this particular story. So I love the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read it again today for like, I don't know, the 20th time or something. Mm-hmm. And I almost cried again while reading it. Uh-huh. But I think that it is, I was telling one of my friends, I think that this is one of the best mm-hmm. pieces of writing about what a birthday is like yeah. to me. Yeah. And you know, there's this repeated idea in the story that like, when you turn 11, you're also still 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And some days you feel like you're three and some days you feel like you're nine. And, um, I feel, I feel like it's just, it really perfectly describes what it's like, even, you know, I think I felt this a little bit when I was a kid, but I feel it even more now. Like there are days when I feel like I'm a high schooler for like an Mm -hmm. hour. Do you know what I mean? It usually has to do with like who you're with, but that the birthday idea I think is so well represented in the story. Um, That's only part of it, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's also kind of this idea. I think the really impressive thing that Sandra Cisneros does is, is able to take, you know, what is usually a very joyous day. And it's like shows how it's, there's like a joyous component, which is kind of like the home part is going to be filled with joy, but the school part is filled with like shame and embarrassment and um, like sad, like real sadness. Yeah. Which I is just a really interesting juxtaposition that I think a lot of people probably relate to. I like that. Thanks, Trey. Yeah. No, thank you. No, I feel pretty similarly that like, uh, you know, part of what I really like about this story are a lot of things that you name, but, and in addition to, I think, you know, we're both English majors and we both were teachers. I think a, a big reason why this, this story in particular is, stuck with me is that it's written in the voice of a young woman and I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of times like a lot of like mainstream or during the time that this came out and when we were likely both teaching it I don't yeah. think there was a lot of access to stories written explicitly from and, and like in a young mm. Latina girl Latina girl right like you That's know I, th- I think this story had a lot of relevance and a lot of like I think power for that and I think like you said too like you know I think this is both about what it's like when you are a child turning an age that feels like it should be a little bit older, but you still in many ways still feel like you can Mm -hmm. still access what it means to feel younger, Mm -hmm. but also how that, like you just said a moment ago, like that's true to life in general, that there's times, regardless of what numerical age you are in life, there are times that drag you back, like whether if you're with family Mm -hmm. or when you Mm -hmm. struggle to make decisions around certain things or when you lose control around things you know like yeah like there's lots of things around life that are touchstones about like bring you back to earlier points in your life right um and then the other thing i'll just quickly say too because i imagine we're both going to talk about this at some point anyway is that there is that about it there's also the fact that it's i think it really in a short amount of time touches a lot on the nuances of everyday school and classroom dynamics Mm -hmm. from the authority of a, the uncaring authority of a teacher mm. to like the like passive bullying. Yeah. Yeah. Passive bullying that is unaddressed. Mm-hmm. 
That is like normalized in many classrooms, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, I think that Sandra Cisneros did such a good job of capturing how heartbreaking it is because the teachers like not even attempting to be mean. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. she's just missing this like emotional understanding of what Rachel is going through. Yeah. And she's just like, who, you know, this sweater has been sitting here forever. Who does it belong to? Yeah. Okay. Here, Rachel here, put it on your desk. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort of yeah. like, but it captures that. Yeah. The like authoritarian, like there's one line where she says, well, because she was older and she's the teacher, I had to do what she said. Yeah. And I feel like it captures like the, the worst part of the way that our school system is set up. Right. Where Mm -hmm. it's like you have the one adult in charge and everyone else has to listen to them. And they're always right. No matter what you say. Yeah. Even if they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I thought it also was interesting to me that there is a clear like othering just by using the name, Mrs. Price. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have the name. She also names two other students who have, clearly like Spanish names. Yeah. And so it sets up like a divide already. Although I did think it's interesting that the main character is Rachel, which is not a name that I typically associate with. I mean, I think like she says mama and papa and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just not, not it was more of a, I don't know. I feel like there's this idea of like separation between the teacher and the class. Yeah. That is very like handled very deftly i feel mm-hmm. like um and also the thing like the story is very specific in some ways but also feels like just very universal in other totally. ways because totally. it's like it paints a specific picture but it feels like it you know is so relatable to kids yeah going in the school environment in general and it, and i think you know I think what's also true is that uh, I, I one of the th- reasons why, or one of the aspects of it that I love the most, there's two things I really love about it. It's, it's Cisneros' use of repetition. So her constant repetition around numbers and mm-hmm. obviously the number in love, 11 in particular, but how she applies it to different characters and different moments and situations. I think I really love, but I'll, I also think too, like what I love about reading the story is, this, is the thing that sticks with me um, when we talked about when you suggested this, I was like, oh, you mean the red sweater story? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the red sweater one is like the most vivid aspect of of this in a lot of it's the only thing that I think literally has like color applied to it in a lot of ways. And That's um, true. Mm-hmm. that sticks in the story. But also I, w- I thought about how, you know, much like the red letter, like the part of the tension around this red sweater is that what is one of the things that popularly happens, unfortunately, in a lot of school peer situations that like, you know, you don't want to get tagged as being, you know, mm-hmm. the snotty nose kid. You don't want to be right. the crybaby kid. You don't want to be right. the peed my pants kid. And you don't want to be the red right. sweater kid. Right. And so uh, this idea of like how, you know, like, like the taunting and the, and the, and the legacy of like what happens when you get like a, classroom peer social environment based like nickname or reputation attached to you too is yeah. like something really true that, that I thought um that the story touches on yeah 
Well, and a little bit, I don't know. I don't know. I just had a thought while you were talking about how it's also this idea of like, uh, people forcing you into something that, you know, isn't right. You know what I mean? And like, it's like, cause it's a lot of this idea of like these different identities that are all within you. Yeah. And then like the teacher is forcing her into a red sweater and she's like, it's uncomfortable. I know it's not yeah. mine, but the teacher's yeah. making me put it on anyway. So it's sort of yeah. like, I have to like do this thing. Um, so I have to like take on this identity. And then to me, the most heartbreaking part is that like when, so she puts on the sweater and she's like crying, putting on, the, I, don't, I don't know how the teacher is so oblivious to this child. <laughs> You don't? <laughs> I mean, that's true. She's got probably 32 other children in the yeah. classroom. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Rachel's like crying at her desk wearing a scratchy sweater. And another girl is like, oh, I just remembered that's my sweater. Mm-hmm. And then it, the fact that it's just like, okay, fine, take your sweater back. And no one's like, sorry, Rachel. Like, right. That's right. the, yeah, the kind of damage is not addressed. You just keep going on to the next thing, which does happen yeah. in classrooms. Which happens. Time, yeah. Right. Cause yeah. you don't have time to like, yeah. or you think you don't have time at least. Um, yeah. Ugh. Just, every yeah. time I read about that sweater being like the way she like shoves it over to the tippy, like the tippy tip corner of her desk. Yeah. And I can see the teacher being like, that's enough, Rachel. Right. Right. All right. With the sweater. <laughs> right. right right because you know as former teachers like I could see from a teacher's perspective how even if that's not a particular kid's like brand so to speak in the classroom like it can feel like attention seeking behavior or right 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 right. and like or you, just you, like you, not engage like she's not paying attention to the lesson obviously. right right she's obsessed with this way <laughs> yeah I also think that that whole thing is interesting too because the way I always read the story myself is that there's this implicit thing about and I could be totally wrong but like my read often has been about that story is that it's about like the gross cultural assumption by this teacher too that this Mm. because part of what it seems like it's implied about the sweater is that it's maybe a little ugly. It's maybe a little like right. hand me down. She says it's like and, stretched out and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there, I think there's th- there's this thing about, you know, poor and right. who's the kid that most likely is wearing a hand. Like, so it's this stigmatizing around Rachel too, that like, well, it must mm-hmm. belong to this right. poor, ugly, worn out hand-me-down sweater must belong to this particular kid mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. classroom of all, of all kids. And I... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, you were taught something you were saying about this, like reminds me too that, you know, we forget often that like those tiny incidents and moments are actually pivotal memories for kids in the classroom. Like yeah, that red sweater day, like some kid or all of us have had some type of red sweater day in the sense that like all of us have had some significant day in a classroom, mm-hmm. in a school that probably went forgotten by everybody else but it's right but sticks with you yeah that's now i'm trying to remember what my red sweater i know i was gonna ask do you have a red sweater day (laughs) (sighs) i know i do i feel you do i feel like this Mm -hmm. 
I'm just thinking of like, other, there's other moments in books that I've read that like Ramona Quimby has uh-huh. a, a story like this, where she like goes to the bathroom and has to, it tries to make like, she has a hole in her shoe. Okay. And she tries to use like paper towels to cover up the hole and it ends uh-huh. up like turning into a big disaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's definitely like, I, there's definitely, I've definitely had moments where it's like, I remember feeling like, I hope no one notices X. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It was either Mm -hmm. like I did, there was one time when I was in, ah, I want to say third grade. This is me like trying to do the geography of my life. Uh, (laughs) I was in a trailer in Alabama. I think I was in third grade. I was older than I should have been. And, uh, I was, this will really give you a glimpse into my neuroses. The teacher at the beginning of the year had said, don't ask to go to the, because we're in a trailer, right? It's like a journey to get to the bathroom. Yeah. Don't ask to go to the bathroom unless you really have to go. And I waited too long to ask to go to the bathroom and I peed my pants. Oh, oh no. Yeah. And I, I, I have like, so they got me another pair you know it's like you go to the nurse's office and they get you another pair of pants yeah but there is definitely that feeling of like oh crap like everyone's gonna be talking about I think the teacher did a pretty good job of like ushering me out quietly but looking back like I'm sure it smelled like pee (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the other kids noticed yeah um and yeah, it was literally because I was afraid that I was like, no, the teacher said to hold, you know, to wait until you really have to go. It's <sighs> like my rule following caused me to be. Yeah. That's that, you were what grade? Third grade. Yeah. Too old to be wedding. Like I wasn't, re- you know, yeah, it was it, like it, an anomaly, but I remember, sure. I remember being like, I, the thing I remember most clearly about that is being in daycare after the school day was over and like my mom coming to pick me up. And being like nervous that she was going to be mad at me. Yeah. Or like disappointed or like, why did you do, mm-hmm. you know, like, what, what are you doing? Like, you're too yeah. old to be doing this. But I don't think she made a big deal out of it. No. If I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, that stuff happens, right? Sometimes you just be your pants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a red sweater moment, Trey? Uh, I feel like I had a couple, but the one that like immediately popped into my mind, us talking about this is, uh, so there was like, when I went to, uh, I mean, they're all sad, but like, <laughs> they are, they just, they just are. I mean, I'm fine with them now. Like, you know, this one is fucking kid and stuff. Yeah. But, like, but I, I, so, or yeah, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is that when I was in probably eighth or ninth grade. I had like horrible, horrible, mm-hmm. horrible acne. And really? like, for a long time, my parents like- Your skin's cleared up so nicely. <laughs> yeah, but like, it was like, but it was like very damaging as, like, like, right. as a teenager. You know, I was like super self-conscious about it. Right. And like my mom, I think my mom, because my mom, it wasn't something I think my mom endured when she was growing up. I think she was like kind of at a loss as like to re- how to really address it. So I yeah. remember like we got like, uh, we got whatever, whatever popular- oh. What was it? I know. I can't remember. Yeah. Whatever, like topical. Like Acu something, wasn't it? Well, like, like whatever you could buy in the store. It was like whatever brand. It was like something like that. And I had never used that stuff before. It was like, I had been like been badgering my mom, like mom. Oh God. I feel like I've got to do something. 
And so she was fine, like, all right, let, let's get like whatever shit and we right. got whatever stuff. But because I'd never used it before, I didn't actually understand that like whatever topical thing, like it was like, you know, you're supposed to like put it on your face, wash it off after X right. amount of time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So oh, I went God. to school with it still on my face. Oh no. And it wasn't until I finally, I like, I was in home. Did somebody room. say something to you? Okay. I, I, uh, this, yeah, this girl in class, Christy Kozlowski, I'll never forget. She wow. like sweetly pulled me off, okay. like tapped me off to tap me on the shoulder and pulled me off to the side and said like, Hey, you should actually go to the bathroom and wash that off the, your face. Like you shouldn't, you're not actually supposed to like keep, keep that on. on your, keep it on your face. And I remember feeling so mortified that yeah, for so many reasons, like one that I, I was so, I was so eager to like look better, feel better, like magically, like be cured right. overnight kind of right, thing. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, so fixated on that, on that too. Like, it was just like, you know, by then I'd already walked through the hallways and stuff. I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, so many classmates clearly saw me with this on my face. Yeah. And then, um, and then it was, you know, I think some of it was just like the, you know, even if it was obvious that I had acne, I think it was still like the shame of the acknowledgement that there was something I was working on. Like, you know, right, I think right, you right, probably right, think right. of like taking mm-hmm. care of that stuff in private at home or in right. your room or whatever. Yeah, you don't want but people to know to, that you're buying, right? Yeah. You don't want people to know because that you're buying stuff because then you're actually telling people you right, know that admitting. your face look. Yeah. So uh, that was like kind of my red sweater day. Ooh, well, I didn't know you're going to pull on high school stories. <laughs> uh, it was like, the, it was just, was just one of the first things that That's popped the into one my that head. Popped into your head. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Bad school can be so mean. <laughs> I Yeah. I, and I am very fortunate that like the one kid who said something to me said something to me in kindness like I, yeah. I think it would be way to go, so Christy. much more yeah it'd be so much more damaging if I got mocked and it, or if I was mocked to my face right yeah I I have a feel I I am I think about my childhood a lot and and wish yeah. I were more like Christy <laughs> uh, wait were you an asshole I don't I wouldn't say I was an asshole but I had a tendency to like joke around with people yeah in a way that I thought was funny, but I don't know that they always thought it was funny. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever heard heard from classmates? So after the fact? The, here's here's the best example I have. Yeah. I uh, there was a kid in. Oh god, let me see if I, I have to try to remember the whole story. Okay. It was always like we were groups. That we were always. I was always like friendly with everybody in my classes. Yeah. And there was. Um, I don't know if I can remember the full context of the story, but there was a kid that I was in middle school with. Okay. Probably this was in Memphis. So it must've been like sixth or seventh grade, probably seventh grade, which was a difficult year. Hmm. (laughs) And um, this one kid, his name was Jonathan Rogers. Uh, I think we're Facebook friends now. Um, He had asthma Okay. And I'm pretty sure I started calling him something like Weezer. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I, in my head, I was just like being silly, like, ha yeah. this is funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and looking back was definitely me like trying to make everybody laugh about something yeah. that I didn't think was like, I don't know, serious or right. 
Yeah. What's you know the what big I deal? mean? Yeah. yeah. What's the big deal? Like, I'm just kidding around. You like, sometimes yeah. you cough. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Anyway, we ended up going to the same college. <laughs> no shit. Yes. And he brought it up. Did he? I don't, I think I was like, I think I brought it up and I was like, you know, I think I was kind of mean to you in middle school. And I think he was like, oh, please. It was, I mean, honestly, he, he could write me tomorrow and be like, that was very damaging. He's listening now. <laughs> but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember there are times in my life where I think back and I'm like, hmm, maybe I wasn't like, I wish that we had more models of what it means to be like an empathetic and caring student. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think without those, you like devolve to your worst sensibilities, which yeah. in middle school is for me was trying to make everyone laugh. Yeah. And that often yeah. meant making fun of people, which like, I also got made fun of a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I had braces and glasses and a perm. I was mm. not an attractive child. <laughs> And it was often like, I remember my friends telling my one friend telling me I look like a poodle after I got a oh, perm man. for the first time. Oh, yeah. Man. When I came in, I'm proud of my new hair. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Someone told me once I looked like Rosie O'Donnell. Holy which shit. was damaging to my yeah. ego. Um, <laughs> also, I love the like Weezer, Rosie O'Donnell, very on trend at the time. I know. References. Weezer or Weezy. Anyway, but yeah. it was, yeah. So I think that it, I do think a lot about how. I wish we like, I don't know, talked more openly about like what it is to be a good friend and to be like, like Christy, right? Like to be the person who goes up and is like, actually, Trey, you should go wash this off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I mean, part of it is just like, you know, like I feel like all the like teen and preteen stories or pop culture stories about this, but, but about like, you know, everyone's so insecure growing up. And yeah. I think for some right. of us in some situations, sometimes like some of that insecurity means like redirection, like let's put Make the spotlight on somebody else. Um, yeah. And I think so much of like unknowing and unthinking kid currency is like how you put down each other or how do you point out right. funny shit about exactly. everyone else around you. Um, and I do think some kids like know what they're doing. Uh, but, I th- but yeah. I think there are also some kids that are like, you know, I think that's a, that's why we like caution kids around peer pressure, right? Like when, right. when situations and environments go unchallenged, it's easy to like go along with the group and, mm-hmm. and not speak up or Be not step away. Yeah. It's super easy. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Do you feel, do you feel like you witnessed <laughs> red sweater days for kids when you were teaching Mm. yeah I mean I think I'm trying to I mean I think most of what I saw was like light heart more light-hearted teasing Mm. of kids Mm -hmm. um like I don't remember kids being as cruel as like I don't know like you know a lot of it I think a lot of the cruelty is all is also about like exclusion yes, and like who kids are willing. Like I do remember several times like making groups or pairs mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't want to be with that person yeah. Yeah. to me. And I have, you know, and you have to be like, 
don't be an asshole. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like that was the thing that I saw more often and was like pretty brazen of like, I don't want to be in a group with him mm-hmm. <laughs> more than like, say, I don't know, like calling people names or like, I don't know, being pointed about the things that you're saying to people. It was more of like ex- being exclusionary and saying like, you didn't want to hang out with that person. Yeah. What about you, Trey? Um, I definitely, I can definitely relate to as, as a teacher seeing like the, the classroom group dynamics when you have yeah. to do group work. I've definitely saw stuff like that. I think the other thing I often saw that was like, so that was so tense because it made me feel sometimes complicit or responsible mm. for things is that yeah. like when kids poked fun at the other kid or kids in class that like were slow readers or could mm. read or you know like any type of learning right the late learning that someone else showed either around the lesson or around the skill like mm-hmm. I can think of one or two kids and so I I think we shared before where we both taught but I I taught when I was teaching in Houston mm-hmm. uh and was a high school English teacher it wasn't uncommon for me to have in, in, a, in any given class one or two kids who had either zero English literacy skills or Mm -hmm. very low literacy Mm. skills when it came to English. And for some kids, like for some of the other kids, seeing that those kids struggled or seeing that I had to give those kids extra support or attention, like, like sometimes those kids would be like, Mr. Johnson, like, leave me the fuck alone because I don't want more attention on me. Right. Um, Right. And it made me think about like the times that like as a well-intentioned young teacher, like I think I belatedly reflected on how much I put kids like on blast. And just, yeah, on blast by like encouraging them to read it aloud in class when I knew that they were like trying mm. and trying and like thinking that like getting them to do it in class right. with peers would like build their confidence. Yeah. And it was in some situations was like it was quite the opposite. And it was just poor judgment on my part but I think about how yeah some kids yeah I think I think those were probably some red sweater days for kids at times yeah yeah Mm. that's what we'd even say about like you know you were saying something about the light teasing I'd be like well light teasing for who right like I think sometimes we think things are yeah I guess well yeah I guess I wasn't thinking about teasing about like intellectual ability but but any type of like you know like yeah I think sometimes we we just don't know the impact on other yeah that's fair that's fair especially kids. Yeah. I mean, I think the other complicated part was like, sometimes there is joking around that happens, right? You know what I mean? And it's like, and everybody's okay with it. And uh, you're like making fun of yourself. Yeah. But then there are often lines that are crossed and then, you know what I mean? And then it turns uh, less lighthearted and more into, yeah. Like it's hard to know when you've gone too far. Yeah. And I think that's honestly part of like the learning process for kids is like learning how to have those kinds of conversations and like, yeah, Yeah. how to socialize with other people in a way that is respectful, you know, because you don't want to have an environment where you feel like kids feel like they can't ever, you know, say a joke or you know what yeah. I mean or like yeah yeah Whew. I know. take me back to some moments in the classroom I'm sorry where yeah. I was like I don't know what to say 
<laughs> yeah. And I think too, like it would always result in maybe like we don't talk about each other that way or something like that. You know, it always be like which yeah. is helpful. Yeah, but it uh I do think that, yeah, I don't know. It, the, uh, the other thing that's hard, especially middle school, is like kids, as you said, I feel like their insecurities are so high. Yeah. And also they're they deflect like so it's like yeah. there's all this stuff going on inside of their brains and their bodies and they yeah. their ability to control or like critically think about what they're saying is quite low like yeah. literally you know it's like biological fact that they're still developing those abilities in their brain and it can make for <laughs> some real wild moments in the classroom sure. because they're all going through puberty at the same time that's right and That's like, right. they're all over the place. Like one day they're super mature. The next day I feel like I'm teaching five, you know, five-year-olds. So yeah, yeah, it's real roller coaster in there. It is. And I, like, it makes me think like when I think about both having been a student, but also having worked in schools and teacher roles and other roles, like the other complicated thing too, much like what Eleven talks about is that yeah, inside of like the a school mm-hmm. environment and community that there, there are still adults who access levels of immaturity around oh, this yeah. stuff. Like, you know, like I think and I think sometimes both with good intention and bad intention like I think there are adults in school environments and buildings that like help perpetuate bullying and teasing and stuff yeah and I mm-hmm. also think there's some well-intentioned people I think we tend to have a culture as a matter of fact of like well-intentioned adults being like hey like this is life and you got to kind of learn how to like you know we mm-hmm. almost like implicitly right. normalized that of, like yeah yeah, yeah yeah and like life is going to be tough and unfair so you're going to have to figure out a way to like get through like I think that was a mm-hmm. also a common bent That's around true. around this type of stuff right yeah yeah <sighs> what a time all right Trey what was your favorite yeah. part of this story uh like I said, I said earlier you know for me I think a big part of it was repetition um, I think the mm-hmm. use of repetition in the story is just just a like I'm a, a writer that I really admire. He's talked to me about the importance and power of repetition in. Are you going to name essays. this writer that you're? No, because it'll sound too name dropping, and it's not important. Oh is, what's my. important? <laughs> no, but <laughs> it really what's important though. It's like it really has made me think about like in the importance of like songs, and the importance mm-hmm. of like uh, stories and stuff. Like the use of repetition, like how when you loop back on something it gives an opportunity to like expand upon interpretation and meaning of something. Like you kind of like unpack right. layers, like no, like 11 means multiple things inside of this story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like, I think that's been a big thing for me is like thinking about like how clever, it, or how important and clever it is to use repetition okay. in uh, as a story or as a literary device in general. Um, and then last thing, I just think the closing of that of mm. 11 is just beautiful. Like it's, Again, Cisneros has, I think, is always such a great, vivid, metaphorical writer yeah. in particular. Mm-hmm. And I think the way the the last two lines of the story, I think, is, are just beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah. You want? How about you? Me? Oh, I guess I could. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I've have it pulled up in front of me. Now. I have it pulled up, so I'll read it. The last oh. two lines. Yeah. Oh, I just pulled it up. Okay. Okay, do it. Oh, you want? Me? Okay. Uh, or I'll, I'll read the very last paragraph set of lines. Yeah. I'm 11 today. I'm 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. 
but I wish I was 102. I wish I was anything but 11 because I want today to be far away already, far away like a runaway balloon, like a tiny O in the sky, so tiny, tiny, you have to close your eyes to see it. Mm. I find it like very beautiful and very emotional. So good. Like it's like, it hits me like every time I read it. Yeah, I agree. And I have felt those days where you're like, Mm -hmm. I just want this day to be in the past. Yeah, to just drift off like out of my hands in a way. Yeah. Yeah. How Um, about you? So two things. One is I will say, I think of this story every birthday that I have because I think of like the nesting. She talks about her like nesting dolls that she has at home. And I do feel, I do relate very strongly to this idea of like, you are yourself today, but you're also all the yous that you've been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I love Sandra Cisneros metaphors, as you said, and I used to use them. I used to use her sentences in my classroom and ask my kids to write imitation sentences based mm-hmm. on her sentences. So it was teacher nerd. It was like a way to teach parts of a sentence and like replacing the parts of the sentence and like to teach kind of like rhythm and language Yeah, and have kids, you know, just change some words around and see what it was like to write that way. But one sentence that I think stands out to me every time I read the story is connected to the paragraph. It's when she says, only today, I wish I didn't have only 11 years rattling inside yeah. me like pennies in a tin Band-Aid box. Yes, that's a, be- that's a beautiful sentence. Yeah. And you yeah. can hear the rattling. You yep. can imagine, like, I know that tin Band-Aid box. Yep. And I also know that feeling of like, I wish I had more inside of me than just like this little bit of experience that I have, or like this little bit of whatever that I have. Um, So yeah, I just think that she, I think she writes beautifully and simply, and it's just such a, it's like a charming yet heartbreaking story that I don't know. I love, love it. Just love it. You're reminding me like the other piece of advice I've gotten from writers and editors over the years. It's like, it's very true. Like sometimes or often the most effective, strongest like writing is, is simple. Like, like, you know, they, you know, what they've, mm-hmm. you probably heard this getting like classes and stuff like that growing up too. Don't use like a, you know, don't use a dime word where you can use a nickel one. Like, yeah. and, and, and I think there's, I think Cisneros is really great about that, about like using straightforward, simple language that mm-hmm. still is profound because the way it like lands for people. But yeah, you can tell this is why I'm a big read, a big believer in reinforcing that. Like, I, I really sincerely believe everybody is a writer and everybody is a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we always encourage people to believe that their approach to telling a story is a valid approach to telling a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that they have a story that's worth telling. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think everybody, everybody has a story to tell. Everybody's got at least one story in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at least one. At least one. Mm-hmm. I mean, oftentimes hundreds, but. Right. 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 <laughs> but at least the one. <laughs> at least the one. At least one that means something to you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Anything all else right. on 11, Trey? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a beautiful okay. story. I hope everyone has read it and or reads it. It's really great. Uh, next episode. What Trey do you want to let's do a plug? We're going to do Trey's first plug. He might mm. be unwilling to do this, but I'm forcing him to do it. Trey. No, I'm totally. What's coming it. up this week for you? 
Oh, I, I thought you were talking about plug for next week's episode. No. Oh, uh, so in the vein of what we're talking about, like I am Stories. doing a, a story next week. I'm doing a, uh, a, mall, a performance for the moth. And if people aren't familiar with the moth, it's like this uh, longstanding storytelling platform or performance that where they have everyday folks share a story that usually fits like a theme that they've kind of like curated for a given night. So I'll be in, Phil- Give us a date. in Philadelphia. Yeah, I was just about to say Thursday okay, night. Sorry. April 28th, 8 o'clock here in Philadelphia at the Miriam Theater. If people wanted to get tickets, what would they do? Uh, I think you can, I I think it's on either likely on the Moths website or on the Miriam uh, Theater's website. Uh, Okay, great. And do you think you're going to be on the podcast? The Moth podcast? Excuse me. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. I haven't, I haven't asked, I've been so flattered to even do this that uh right. i don't i don't know i'm sure some of it i'm sure it depends on a lot of things so uh right. yeah okay. i don't know it'd be cool right. yeah it'd be, i'm glad it'd to be do super it super cool love that podcast mm-hmm. all right well i'll be there if Thank anyone's you. planning to attend the bells on i'd yeah. like to talk about favorite parts <laughs> wow. Wow. okay so next week we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about our favorite teachers fictional and non-fictional together on the favorite parts podcast so exciting if you have a favorite teacher probably fictional makes more sense uh feel free to dm us with some ideas of some teachers we should be talking about there's a lot of teachers out there in the fictional world and also i think it'd be fun for people to just i mean if anyone actually feels inclined but like it'd be curious to hear about like who is a memorable teacher for somebody Mm -hmm. having grown up you know i don't think we i don't think it's ever too much or too little or too often to call out teachers who have made an impact on your that's life. true that's true yeah shout out to teachers that's right um all right trey all right it's I'll been see. real yeah it has been real see you next this week. was not a red sweater day hey <laughs> <laughs> zing <laughs> all right i'll see you all next right. week <laughs> bye, bye, <Allison>. bye. bye. <laughs>